It's Geekiest Show Ever number 21. I'm Tim Robertson, and joining me is Guy Searle. Hello, Tim. And David Cohen. Flubber, flubber. Flubber, flubber. <laughs> flubber. Flubber. Son of flubber. So it's uh, the show that we talk about pretty much anything we want, and David, you suggested uh, for our 21st episode, we get into a little bit of the 3D discussion, because that seems to be all the rage in Hollywood right now. Well, it is. I think they. Uh, I think they seem to have identified a new revenue stream. Um, I, this came to my mind. I went to see a, a movie the other day, and there was a trailer for uh, the new Avatar film that's coming from James Cameron. I want to talk about that too in a minute. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things about Avatar is 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 cost a fortune, an absolute fortune. And one. Wait of a the minute. Things, a James Cameron movie costs a lot to make. That's, un, that's unheard of. But he, he's he's apparently outdone himself. This thing costs a quarter of a billion dollars. This movie, no, it's and, never going to make that much. Not in no, profit. Well, we'll 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 see. I mean, he does have a track record of uh, making a lot of money back on expensive films. But nevertheless, one of the things he did with this film is um, he f- he's filmed it in three D, even though it's large chunks of the film are, are uh, computer rendered. Um, he's designed the entire movie to be shown in 3D. And this isn't just kind of the, you know, jump in the face slasher horror films where, where they slap 3D on. This is kind of designed to be a fully immersive movie. And uh, 3D is an up and coming technology in the movies. And I've just noticed that everyone is talking about it. All the movie companies are talking about moving to 3D. And sure enough, my local movie theater is now all charging you extra if you want to go and see a movie in 3D. Well, because you have to have the little plastic glasses. Well, yes. I, I, but isn't, one, isn't the projector different as well? Yeah, there, obviously there's some technological differences, and I think we understand that. But I wonder whether the my my question to you is: is first of all, do we think that that 3D is good enough now to justify a wholesale movie? Uh, you know, movies moving to 3D. No, uh, in in the way that the the movie theater, the movie companies seem to be wanting to do. There are several executives talking about cancelling anything that's not 3D in their production. Um, and there's been an awful lot of re-rendering of CG films into 3D and this, that, and the other. And is this just kind of a, a cash grab? Yep. Or are they actually doing it for creative? No. And, uh, are we going to get better movies as a result of No. It? What's right. your opinion again, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> now, but, it seems like every every decade or so, they, they get on this 3D kick. Yeah. And it, it's... I started in the 50s. Yeah, it started in the 50s. Heck, even the Three Stooges... Did some some like really rudimentary three D three D stuff back in the day, and it was all awful. But you know they they get on this kick. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I know you must be talking about the three D being awful, not the Three Stooges. Of course. Okay, no, yeah, I was gonna. Say, I have to drive all no, the way no. to Virginia. Three Stooges. Rectify rock. this. This. Okay. There. All right. We're good now. Except well, <laughs> except for uh, except for Joe. Well, yeah, but you know. Yeah, he sucked. He sucked. Joe Besser sucked. Um, there's something we could do a geekiest show ever. Just all all Stooges. Um, I think but, we kind of do that every week, don't we? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but you know, and it starts off. They'll have like like one or two movies. Sometimes some of the higher end stuff, but it soon degrades into the, you know the lowest common denominator dreck. And then everybody gets sick of it, and nobody wants to see it again. And they throw all kinds of new names at it, you know, cinema fantastic, and you know they they put electrodes under the seat or what you know all these gimmicks to get people into the theaters. Well, well now they're really desperate because people are are starting to not go to the movies anymore. So they're looking at this as you know the the, the latest thing to try to do to get people more interested in going to see the movies again. Hmm. Um, it's a gimmick. Yeah, but that's not to say that it, it it can't be. You know, if it's well done, it it can it can really really be interesting. Now, now you guys have both seen Up, right? Yep. Yeah. There were there were parts of Up that were kind of shot in three D, but it was shot in such a way that you didn't need the glasses and all the rest of it to to make it work. And you know, the one thing that Pixar didn't do that I'm hoping that Cameron also won't do is have particular shots or you know force kind of a 3D perspective 
whether you know this the particular scene that you're watching is really needs to have something like that or not you know what i'm saying well, I, yeah, I've, go ahead, my David. Understand, my understanding of, of Cameron's approach to Avatar is, he, I mean, he waited 15 years for the technology to be right for him to film this movie. Um, and so I think he's using it as a creative director to immerse his, um, uh, the idea is to try and immerse his audience in his story. Um, and that's kind of, I mean, one of the things about Avatar is it's meant to be a, cre- a completely fantastical um, experience. And the idea is, is that his protagonist is projected into a new body and then put into a new world that he otherwise won't be able to experience. And I would imagine that using 3D in that storytelling mode is, is an attempt to try and bring the audience into that experience. You know, um, I, I think what what has to happen at least for James Cameron is he needs to stop worrying about the gimmick. He needs to stop worrying about building a full size scale Titanic um, and waiting for the technology to catch up, to make his, his vision come true yeah, his, his dream. and just make good movies. Well, we'll see whether, we'll see whether this particular movie is any good or not, but um, I'm not holding my ha- breath. Well, it looks entertaining enough. Don't get me wrong, but But at the same time, I I felt the same way before I saw Titanic, and you know, sappy love story aside, that was uh, visually that was an unbelievable movie. Yeah, the 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 guy is is used to breaking new ground. Um, My my worries about Avatar are the fact that. From what I've seen of the story, it's not exactly the most original story no. I've ever heard, and and he there, he's incorporating a lot of elements from uh, other movies he's done in the past. In fact, in, you could argue that um, from what from my understanding from the trailer that that it's actually a combination of Aliens and Titanic. He's got um, he's got Marines, and he's got a you know a lot of military hardware, and he's got a big battle going on, and at the same time he's got some sort of love story thing thrown in there as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, the, I mean, we'll have to evaluate the movie when it comes out. Yeah. However, on the Titanic Two, electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the three D side, alien at least, boogaloo. At least he's trying to use the three D as part of his creative process. No, he's trying to be seen as the maverick. The man who ushers in the two new technology, I, I think what, the, the he he's this is all ego boost for him. Well, what's what the bad part is going to be that if the movie does tank, they're not going to give him a budget like this for a while. Good, I hope they don't. It's taken him. It's taken him what four years to put this together, this movie together. It's, reta- it's retarded. It's it is longer than that, I think. It's been in development for an awful long time. Well, it's, yeah, it's cost us. It's cost an insane. I think it's about two hundred fifty million dollars. It's cost. Yeah, uh, that's before it's been marketed. Yeah, so, and the marketing uh, on this is just. Yeah, they had what they showed. Horrible. They had the preview at that. Uh, the the first preview at at a Dallas Cowboys game. Yeah, on the biggest large screen. Yeah, of all and time. What, and and I don't know if you guys will find this funny or not, but when they were saying we're going to show scenes from Avatar, I was thinking that Nickelodeon cartoon that M Night Shyamalan is in the process yeah which is which is a great cartoon yeah 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 yeah, the last airbender so when this so when when the when the trailer started up i was like what the hell is this in fact it's funny you say that i mean that that show was called yeah i told you it was funny yeah that show was called avatar the last airbender yeah uh, and yet the movie version is just called the last airbender because they decided to take avatar out of it so it didn't get caught up with this movie despite the fact it's a much longer standing property yeah i just thought yeah i i was wondering about the two because i knew there was a cartoon i tried watching it once or twice it was i didn't understand what the heck was going on and well you it that was you, you have to remember that that the cartoon you know i know we're getting a little bit off topic here you know god forbid we've ever done that before um <laughs> That the cartoon was was really meant to be seen from from the very beginning, yeah. And that each season told the story of how he you know mastered a different element, okay. and, then fi- and then finally defeated the Fire Lord at the very end. And of it. And, uh, and it was a very um, it was very much steeped in the kind of Japanese yeah anime, uh, anime which is probably why I didn't watch it because. For the most part, I don't enjoy Japanese animation at all. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it, it was ugh. you saw it from the beginning. It was a really fun show. Yeah, uh, and I'm quite looking forward to the movie. 
Well, um, the only the only downer to that whole thing is uh, M Night Shyamalan, and I'm hoping he doesn't ruin it. Well, he's he's done great movies, and, and he's, he's done, done horrible movies. Just crap. I mean, I I, I think I, what really? he should have. Yeah, well, I'll give you that one too. I really think he should have done uh, a part two and a part three of the planned trilogy with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. I think that was by far his best movie. Now, which which one are you talking about again? Uh, that was um, Unbreakable. Yes. Unbreakable. Okay. Br- I, I thought I, it was brilliant. I, I, I thought you said the plan, and I was like, what? Wait, hold on. <laughs> no, he planned to do two more. Yep. Um, in, in that in that universe. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would agree. I and mean, that's my favorite of all his movies. I, I think that that was a, a great origin story for a Captain America type of character. Um, yeah, because he was just kind of starting to figure out what it was he could do. No, I, I, yes, but he also knew he was already special and he hit it really well. He's special. He's special. Um, I don't know, David, I, I think most of this 3d gimmickry is just crap. I think they're doing it to try to, there's an old term throwing enough crap against the wall and see what sticks sticks. and this is just one of the new pieces of crap they're throwing out there audiences don't care i'm inclined to agree in fact i think a lot of movies will be will be debased by an attempt to move in 3d i remember a couple years ago i went to see um i saw superman returns conventionally and then uh, a few weeks afterwards i saw it again with uh, on on an imax screen um in with some 3d segments in it so Effectively, most of the big special effects segments of that movie, there's the the particularly the scene where he um, where the plane is, you know, the shuttles attached to the plane, the shuttle engines uh, lock up, and Superman has to go and, and rescue the plane. Um, and that section was in 3D, but only that part of the film. So uh, we're all there with our glasses, and, and and that bit comes on, and there's a there's a sign in the corner of the screen. You put your 3D glasses on. There you go. And having seen the two the movie in two different ways, the 3D version sucked because it was when when you're watching stuff in 3D, it it becomes fuzzy. Yes. Um. So despite the fact that there was a, a three dimensional element to it, and there are some. I don't know whether it was deliberate or not, but there are some uh, effect shots in that sequence where stuff is flying out the screen, this, that, and the other. Despite that um, working fairly well, because of the way the sequence was shot, there's an awful lot of camera shake because to, to try and um, you know denote to the audience what's going on and the and the kind of the um, the trauma of what's going on in in the scene. Um, it was really difficult with that and the blur to actually see what the hell was going on, and it actually didn't really work very well. And, I, and this is what concerns me about this 3D stuff is that I'm not sure whether the projection technology is, is good enough. If, I think it works okay if the film is computer rendered, but if it's not computer rendered, if it's conventionally shot, I don't think the 3D is going to work very well because it blurs everything down um, because like it or not, you're seeing two separate images overlaid kind of in, and your, your head is making sense of that and it makes it blurry. And who wants to see blurry movies? It really comes down to one thing or one thing only. Nobody wants to go into a movie theater and put those stupid glasses on. I don't care if the glasses are one's red and one's blue or they're completely clear. Nobody wants to wear glasses like that sitting in the movie theater. Now, if you already have glasses that you have to wear, it's even more cumbersome. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who absolutely will not go see a 3D movie because they say the same thing. I don't want to wear those glasses. I hate that. But here's the problem. The movie companies are seeing that um, despite the fact that uh, only about 10-15% of screens can show 3D, they're making more money on some movies from the 3D screenings than they are from the from the much larger selection of conventional 2D screens. Well, yeah, but that's usually movies that are that they pretty much know are going to do well anyway. Yeah. So, you know, if it's a question, it really still comes down to it's the difference between... Um, that stupid animated haunted house movie and something from Pixar, you know, story will out. If it's a good story, then it doesn't really matter what the effects are. It's also, it's like, okay, people, we're going to do a test on 3d in over here. We have star Wars movie number seven in 3d. If you want to see that, it costs $20 a ticket or 
we have Pinocchio in, in 3D. In, no, and not in 3D. If you want to see that, it only Geppetto, costs seven fifty. Geppetto's Revenge. Yeah. Now, gee, hmm, wonder which one people are going to go see. It's yeah. it's yeah. very. They make the numbers look good for 3D. They're trying really, really hard. They being Hollywood are trying really, really hard to get people excited about it. They're trying to convince us that we're just waiting with bated breath, and nobody is. Nobody right. cares. When it gets I right, it, it, I think uh, most I, people think, oh, okay, maybe. But and we I don't think care. they're thinking as well. They can move all the movie content to 3D. Then um, that's an opportunity to bring a new format to the home and sell all the movies again. And also, as well, it will fight piracy because they'll think, "Oh, well, who's gonna who's gonna pirate a non 3D version of the movie on the BitTorrents?" Yeah, who wants to see the regular movie? Here, the, the the problem with movies and the downfall of the Hollywood big blockbuster, big box office is twofold. One. Uh, too many movies suck, and and yeah. too many people well, yeah, are tired of going to the expensive theater, spending ten dollars for one ticket. If you want popcorn and a drink and maybe a candy for two garbage, people, that's chair. another twenty five dollars right there. And then you go into the theater; it's an uncomfortable chair, it's packed. Too many people are being rude and talking. Yep. You're going to miss part of it. Cell phones. People still do that. Text messages. Yep. You're going to miss part of it when you have to get up and pee real quick. And it's just not fun. Yeah. Or, okay, so that's that's one thing, right? All right well, can I, can I interrupt here for sure. a second? The, the movie theaters in this area, uh, and by this area I'm talking about Northern Virginia, yep. uh, all of the, the older theaters have pretty much closed down. Mm-hmm. And the newer theaters actually have... Very comfortable theater seating with with great big drink holders. I mean, they really seem to try to. Now, the theaters themselves aren't like the the huge cathedral style that we had in the you know sixties and seventies. But you know, the screen is good size. It's comfortable. It's got a great sound system, and it's not it's not a bad experience. Except for, of course, you know the the idiots that can't figure out that they you are be special. Texting. Special, yeah. but that's but guy that's the is problem. so special. They got right. some great theaters, yeah, and we, we suck. <laughs> that's the, the problem for me. It's not the theaters because you're nope, right. You're right. You it can, isn't. You can find good theaters. You can find comfortable seats. When the theaters, one of the theaters I go to uh, has comfortable seats. We have to pay extra for them, which kind of sucks. Uh-huh. But um, you can you can solve all of that problems but what you can't solve is you can't solve the problem of the floor is sticky from all the crap from the people who ate there in in there before you yep. and, and you hope and you hope it's only food yeah and you f- the fact is you're still spending an awful lot of money yep and uh, you're and still sat in a room with rude people yep uh, and it debased the whole experience I, I, was, I was really struck by this actually uh yeah this afternoon we rented on the apple tv uh, x-men origins wolverine I watched it this afternoon, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there are a few parts in that movie that are entertaining, but as but, but a whole, this, it's just this is wretched. Actually my, this is actually my point. I re- we rented the movie on the Apple TV. We didn't spend a lot of money, and we actually quite enjoyed it. Now, if we had gone to see it in the movie theater, I don't think we would have enjoyed it. Because how I many don't people? Think... Three people. How many people would have gone watched... to the movie theater? Uh, it would have been in your family. Would have been my wife and I, so just the two of us. Okay, so it would have been at least forty to sixty bucks. Exactly, yeah. And right. for that sort of money, we probably wouldn't have enjoyed it that much. It would have been her, you know. Okay, Leanne in particular loves. I mean, we we both love uh, comic comic book hero movies, but Leanne in particular loves comic book movies. But we decided that we weren't going to go and see as many of many films in the cinema because it was just too expensive. So, and I think. You know, we we pay th- we pay three ninety nine and watch it on the Apple TV at home, the comfort of our own home. We enjoyed it a lot more. So and that's if you have to go to the bathroom, the, you stop it and exactly. You and you know what? The fact the fact that it wasn't the world's most brilliant movie did not matter to us because we hadn't paid forty sixty dollars for it. So one of the reasons that people that I think that the the movie theater is so much trouble is the theater experience for the most part sucks. The flip side of that is. Many more people have HD big screens in their home with quick access like Netflix and Apple TV and, 
even a local a blockbuster still. Um, yeah, and <laughs> guess what? It looks even better at home. I mean, I the, my system at home with uh, a surround nice, sound. Nice TV. Um, it, it, I, I I get a better picture at home because it's it's tuned it to exactly where I'm sitting. My sound sounds better. Um, I got a THX certified Ankyo deck with a big subwoofer, so I can really crank it if I want to. But the it's it, it, there's no comparison. You give me a Blu-ray copy of anything, and it's going to blow away what you see in a theater. Because I have something that's even better, a pause button. Yeah. <laughs> and it, why spend – even a Blu-ray costs 20 bucks now. They're, they're coming down the, the actual discs. That, you know, that's 20 bucks. Maybe 25 if it's a you know, brand-new release, hot movie. That's still cheaper than going to a theater. Yeah, yeah and but finally, yeah, Blu-ray I mean, players are under 100 bucks. And how now. many times have but you been he, in a theater did. and saw a big someone? You could tell someone threw a drink at the screen. Exactly. You see the what streaks. The, yeah, I mean, even even a DVD, a non-upscale DVD on a on a decent panel yep. sat right in front of you is going to look a hell of a lot better than going seeing a, a projected movie in the theater. Yep. As long as your son hasn't thrown a drink at the screen. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but you know, my point is. It's not Hollywood competing with anybody but themselves. Right. And they, they just don't get it. It's not that people don't want to leave their homes. It's not that we're not social creatures and we want to enjoy something together. It's just some people nowadays don't know how to behave in social situations. The movie theaters don't take any responsibility for rude customers anymore. They used to have this thing called ushers. Yep. I know some of the, our younger listeners have no idea what we're talking about. If you made noise in a movie theater, a little guy in a little vest would come up to you with, with a, a flashlight, flashlight. shine it in your <laughs> eyes and say, shh, be quiet, or we're going to have to ask you to leave. And if you weren't quiet, guess what happened? They would ask you to leave. And they would literally stop the movie and kick someone out and then start the movie up again. That's customer service, unless you're yeah. the, the rude guy, and then who cares anyways. <laughs> yeah. But they don't. you don't get that anymore. No. I mean, no, I, I watched a movie. No, and, and what they do is they spend, I mean, in movie theaters over here in the UK now, they've started searching people's bags for cameras. Yeah. They've started, um, yeah, I mean, the, the anti-piracy stuff they throw at you in front of every movie now is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm, sat, in there, I'm sat there thinking, who in their right mind, you know, in the Western world, sits there with a video camera recording the movie off the screen? Yeah. But that's not where most of them are coming from. Anyway. No, it's exactly. from Russia or India exactly. or yeah, Italy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and you anybody... saw, you, do you remember that that uh, that anti piracy little short they had uh, at the beginning of one of the IT crowd shows? Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, but but that that was that was spoofing the kind of the rise of this over here now, and and you, you just feel like again it's the movie industry treating their paying customers. Like criminals. Yep. Yeah. When, in fact, we're not the cause of the problem. We're not pirating the movies. And you know you know that if, if uh, people are downloading telesync uh, copies of movies on, on BitTorrent, those have been done not in a movie theater. That's right. Those, that's, that's a projectionist taking the print, running it in front of a telesync machine with a camera pointed at it. Yep. So actually criminalizing their customers by searching their bags and hammering home a message that, you know, People, we, if, if we see you point a camera at the screen, we've got infrared cameras and we'll come and get you. Again, and, it's completely the wrong message. Yep. And, and also, the, the, probably the biggest thing about piracy in the last year was the Wolverine movie being released on BitTorrent two to three weeks before it actually hit the theaters. Guess what? That didn't come from a projectionist. No. That came from the studio. Or at least in their distribution uh, yeah, it was, chain. Yeah, some somebody had a review copy, and that, it, that they that they copied over. And well, they don't know that it was never proven. Well, but my, the point is, well, it, but half the special effects weren't there yet. The guy I saw it. Oh, oh okay, okay. I mean, it wasn't even a finished movie, and so you know, if you're going to keep blaming and and being nasty to your customer, and you in like David said, you're going to play these just. Rude messages right in their face, right before you're going to watch a movie. Guess what? People are just going to stop coming to the movies. You know, if you're going to treat us like criminals, then we're going to start behaving like criminals. 
And I think that's, I'm not, and I know you guys aren't, but there's a lot of people that are thinking that. Well, yeah. I, I didn't think about piracy before, but geez, if you guys are just going to keep beating me over the head with it when I want to sit here and be entertained, maybe I'll just jump online and see if I can find it there next time. See, what the movie industry fails to realize is that is that their competition is not piracy. Nope. Their competition is video all games. The other things. Well, yes, all the other things you can do. Yep. And it's, know, it's their own fault. We all know that an awful lot of movies, people go and see them on dates. Yep. There's an awful lot of other things to do now. But you know what the funny thing is, David? Days you can afford to do. A, a lot of the movies that we're getting now are based on content gleaned from other sources. Yeah. Movies based on a comic book. Movies based on a novel, which has always been the case, actually. Movies based on video games. You know? And it's like, well... You obviously know we're we're spending our money on these other pursuits of entertainment, and you're going to take advantage of that. But then don't sit here and cry at me that you guys aren't making as much money. Sorry, just that's just the way it is. And entertainment, let's be honest, is the biggest commodity this world trades. It's the yeah. biggest commodity. It makes more money than anything, by far. Automobiles don't make as much money as the entertainment industry. Nothing does. Maybe food. But in the entertainment is the biggest commodity we have. And when I say we, I mean everyone. That's what we trade in. Um, that's what we spend our money on. When you have you know, some extra money and all your bills are paid up, what do you do? You probably spend some of that money on entertainment purposes. Yeah, of, some, of one kind or another. Yeah, a book, um, uh, an iPod, a movie. Your favorite podcasters. Yeah, you, you send a tip to uh, to David Cohen for $100,000 <laughs> for entertaining you on the podcast. You know, <laughs> th there's a entertainment is the, the biggest thing in the world. And I think it probably hasn't always been that way, but it is now. And Hollywood knows that, and they want to get a bigger slice than what they have. They've seen their, their slice getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I think what they need to do is, honestly, stop sending first-run movies to the theaters. It is time to start sending first-run big blockbuster movies directly over the Internet to your paying customer. I mean, Avatar, let's take that. It, it cost me – if I took the kids, it would cost me $50 to go see that movie. Well, you, well you're talking about, uh, what, three three kids and you? Yes, Okay, well, you're talking $50 before you, you haven't even gotten food or drinks yet. That's what I'm saying. It would cost me 50 bucks. How about if they stream that to me for $30? I'd be interested in that. It's cheaper. You give me a, a, a four-gigabyte file that downloads over a couple hours in HD 1080i at least. Right. I, I'll do that in a heartbeat. You'll get my $30. I mean, just give me the option that you I get it for a week. It expires after, you know, one week. And go ahead and DRM it. Yeah. Or $35 and I can keep it forever. It's DRM. That's fine. But it's $35. I can watch it anytime I want, as many times as I want. You kill the DVD market, but so what? That's going to die soon anyways. Yeah. Opt <clears throat> optical files are going away. Yeah. You know, mass storage is way cheap. So for once, Hollywood... Get in front of the bandwagon <laughs> for once. Yeah, but they, they won't. won't. They won't. They, they're going to stick to the. They're going to do the same thing that the music industry did. They're going to try to sue their customers. Uh, well, get everyone have. mad at them. MPAA. Yeah, you know the 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 music industry finally gets it. I think they finally realize people aren't buying CDs anymore. It's going to be digital. I think they finally understood that. But it took them almost losing the industry completely before they finally got it. And then yeah, it took well, someone of, like an innovator. Artists, yeah, a lot of the artists basically said, you know, you know, the established artists basically said, you know what? We really don't need your machine anymore. We well, can do our own. that's not really true. Well, Only but, but a very few said, did. The established, you know, starting from scratch, no, you, you still need the machine to promote you. But the, and then the biggest acts didn't do that either. They wanted to keep riding the gravy train because that's where they were getting the majority of their money. It was the mid-level acts, and only a few of those th that went that route, guy. Yeah, I mean, guys like Trent Reznor yeah. are fine, but, you know, he has, he's, he's doing what he's doing on the back of a, of a very long and 
well-established fan base. Exactly. And no. he didn't get that on his own. No. And and the, what, what artists do still appreciate is the promotional power that the music industry has. Yep. You know, the pro- promotional power they can put behind an album or a new record. They can get them the appearances in all the big shows. They can get them the... Um, you know the promotional gigs and the and the video plays and the music plays right across the board to saturate a market and really um, you know drive sales or drive their concert ticket sales or whatever and and they they still re- kind of rely on that. The problem is is that to me that what the music industry needs to be doing is focusing on that ability to be able to do that and stop worrying so much about selling product direct to end people. Exactly. They they. I- the movie industry needs to get out of the business of making us get in a cars and go drive somewhere and, and watch something. Bring it to me in a format that is easy for almost anybody to get, and you're going to start making a lot more money. Well, yeah. I mean, look at look at a typical movie budget and then how much they spend on promoting that movie. Right? Well, now, they, would, they, they would still be doing that. Well, yeah, but the point is, is if, they, if they spent less... I mean, here's a, here's a radical suggestion for the movie industry: is how about not promote the movie? How about spend a little bit much more, more on actually producing the movie, uh, and then rely on other channels to pro- to to uh, promote the movie? I mean, um, this this horror film, this kind of Blair Witch style horror film that's, yeah. that's done really great business, Paranormal Activity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now. The movie cost it cost thirteen thousand dollars. It cost nothing. Yeah, it was it was virtually free. Yep. Yeah, and they did very little promotion. Yep. To start, well, with. the yeah. thing became huge, and the reason it became huge is because social media. But well, yeah, but the the reason it became huge actually, not the mechanism. The reason it became so big is because, by all I'm not seeing it yet, but by all accounts, it's probably the scariest film you will ever see. Well, it, I don't know it, about it, that. It became, I have. Yeah, well, it became such a phenomenon because it's a good movie, not because um, it wasn't promoted or social media and this and that and the other. The word of mouth allows the thing to promote itself. You know, well, let's, let's, well, let's change gears yeah. here for a little bit, guys. This a, is a lot I, of that was hype, though. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I, I saw that's the everything. Movie. Uh, let's change gears and let's talk about geekiest show ever um, as a whole. We're, we're always kind of trying to figure out what our topics are going to be week to week to week. And um, I'd like to open it up to the audience, what you guys would like to hear as topics. Now, for instance, my favorite topic so far, uh, at least recently, was the list that you found on the last show, David. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed recording that podcast and listening to it back later. I really enjoyed it. I think we need to do more stuff like that. And here's an idea that I came up with about 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> what what if um, and maybe not every show because we don't want to limit ourselves but maybe every two to three shows we pick a year and we talk about the biggest whatever that year the biggest geekiest things that year so it could be the, what, what was the big uh, movie that year or a couple movies what was the biggest uh, I don't know video games that year what was going on in comic books that year? Um, just kind of a year in review type of thing, but from a geek's point of view. What was the hot tech item that year? What was everybody getting? Yeah. What was the coolest toy that year if we were kids at that time? Because like, if we're doing you know, 2004, I don't care what the biggest toy was. <laughs> I don't think most of our listeners would either. Um, yeah, but if but we're talking would about... Would you guys be interested in, in the biggest toys in 1966? Um, yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just not interested in the biggest toys of, you know, 2006. Robo Sapien, by the way, was the biggest toy of 2004. <laughs> I don't even know what Robo Sapien. Oh, yes, I do know what Robo Sapien. My <laughs> daughter has one of those. It's a little white robot yeah, plastic guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My daughter has one of those. I think I picked it up used for two bucks. Um, I think that would be a fun topic kind of hitting different years occasionally and uh, maybe just picking them at random the week before or two weeks before. Um, If you guys are interested in doing that, let's start with the very next show. Okay. Um, What would be a good year? 
Well, let's see. We're coming up towards the end. In fact, I think next the next show that we record will be, be the last one for the year. Uh, are you sure? No, we actually have um, the next well, show we see, record will come the on the seventeenth. But we're not. The one after that would be the thirtieth, which is so close to New Year's. You know, it's. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, I still want to do one on the thirtieth. Um, and I think the thirtieth would probably be good for looking over the last year that we just had. Yeah. And looking ahead. So yeah, on the seventeenth, let's do a show for. You know, the biggest. About nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. Why? Yeah. Well, it was the year the Mac was released. I know this isn't a Mac podcast, but I don't know. I've always liked that year. Okay, nineteen eighty four. It is. Okay, not 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 a great year for toys. But, um, <laughs> well, I was twenty four, so I was fourteen. Yeah. I, I was, was going to say I don't. I don't think we'll we'll get much mileage out of the toys that year. But um, well, we can still talk about them. Comic books. We can talk, books, about, we can talk, can talk about, about music. Everything else. Yeah. I'll put together some music that was popular in 84, and we'll drop that in. Van Halen, perhaps? And and I know that most of the listeners of this show don't seem to be very um, inclusive. They don't, you know, jump in with ideas and stuff. Uh, They do much more on the MyMac podcast than they do here. Um, But, I mean, we still hear from people. But what what I'm hoping for is maybe there's some listeners out there who wants to either send in um, maybe their story from 1984 what your fondest 1984 memory is, um, or something. I mean, you can pretty much do anything. Just send it to feedback at mymac.com, and uh, we can include it in the show. That would be cool. Very good. So what do you guys want to talk about the rest of the show? We're only at about 37 minutes, about. We have time. Oh. Really? You're killing me. Oh. Oh. We're only at 37 minutes. I mean, we don't have to keep it continue. We can we can end the podcast now and disappoint our millions of fans, guy. <laughs> millions? Short shifting no them. Millions. They were expecting another twenty minutes, and you're just you know, what would they say? Well, how about we uh, be like we, the we, the riots in Houston when the Who didn't play? Oh, yeah, yeah. Except uh, it would be like just one person running through the streets screaming. In various locations around the world. Or pushing, What's your problem? Or, or, What's your problem? Kick your show ever ended early. Or, or very forcefully pushing the button on his iPod to pause and go, pfft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was the great pfft of, 19, or of uh, 2009. <laughs> Did you hear that? Pfft. What was that? I don't know. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um. I, I don't really have anything to be honest. It's, you know, it's part of real life. This has been a very busy, hectic week for me. Actually, the last couple of weeks, so I really haven't had a, the opportunity to think about topics for GSE the way that I usually do. <laughs> I I had something I wanted to ask you, Tim. Sure. Uh, have you played Bioshock? Um, the original, yes. Yeah. Did you like it? Not really. It. I like I, the. I, I like the. I like the moodiness of it. Up to a point. Um, the little girls got annoying after a while. Well, it, it, well, it seemed he, to try to club me over the head with, this is atmosphere, this is scary, this is atmosphere. It, it was lacking as a shooter. It was lacking as a superpower game. Uh, it didn't really have any originality that I haven't already seen with Half-Life 2 and Halo. and I mean, it didn't do any one thing brilliantly, but it did a lot of little things decently. I, I've, interesting. I mean, you, you kind of mirror my experiences with it. As you know, I've been working my way through this uh, collection of Xbox games uh-huh. I bought. Um, and I was looking forward to this. Uh, and I played it. And I, I was probably about, I don't know, must have been six, seven hours in. And I just stopped playing because I just wasn't having any fun. Yeah. And with that <laughs> game, it's like they're trying to immerse you in this world. But it's just such a retarded idea that someone built this whole city. Underwater. Under the sea, and well, I, yeah, I could I could kind of live with that, you know. But not atmosphere. if it's from the 1950s. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, look, all of these games involve some suspension of disbelief. I could the the environment I thought was cool, you know, I thought it was something a bit different. Um, it was fine, but the problem I had with it is that actually, as a game, it wasn't any fun. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's not it's not well balanced because uh, on the one hand, you have the 
um, the you know the the generic enemies, the splices, who are all kind of the same. Yep. Uh, and then and then on the other hand, you have the um, the little girls and their their protectors, the the big daddies, who are impossibly hard to kill. Yep. Uh, coupled with the fact that everything you're given, all the really cool stuff you're given, you're either given incredibly limited ammunition, or alternatively. Um, you give you know you obviously get these these gene upgrades, but you could, for some reason there's an artificial limitation on how many of those you can have at a time. Yep. And and it just means that the the game alternates between being frustratingly hard, and just incredibly repetitive. And I just uh, I just got to the point. I thought I'm just not having any fun here. Yep, I agree. <laughs> you know? I know it was game of the year in 2007, and it recently just like a couple months ago came out on the Macintosh, and. Uh, I just I just don't care about the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched my son Guy play it. I never actually played it myself, but the whole time, you know, he seemed to like it. But at the whole time he was going through it, it's like, oh, haven't you already been down here before? Yeah, so, no, it yeah, all looked very I, familiar. I have, to, I have to go over here because there's there's something I need. He said, but you were just here. He says, yeah, I know, but I, I wasn't able to get what I needed before because I had to go over here and do this first. It's like, oh, really? Now, here's a game that uh, I did see. I, I, To be honest, you know, I usually keep up on, on video game news and what's coming up because I'm a video game player. Um, but this is a game that kind of came out of nowhere for me. I, I had maybe I've seen it online before, some information. I just skipped over it because the name itself just doesn't do it for me. It's called The Saboteur. And every time I'd see that, I'd go, eh, I don't care. I just thought it was some, some kind of a stealth uh, Metal Gear Solid, and I hate Metal Gear Solid. I just never could get into it. So I thought it was something like that, so I just never really paid attention. Well, I actually watched a, a, like a 10-minute gameplay video of this game today. It comes out yeah. next week. And it's actually a really cool-looking game. It's um, a third-person game, so you're seeing your guy, kind of like Gears of War. But it takes place in World War II France. And your guy is an an ex something and race car driver. And he's now a saboteur behind, you know, he's in occupied France and there's different sections of the city that you can go into and it's free roaming. So you can go wherever you want. But if you're in a heavily occupied area of France of, of um, wherever you, you happen to be, everything is kind of washed out and gray. But if you accomplish your missions, like you, you take out this big gun or whatever, um, color kind of bleeds back into that section of the city. So if you get into another firefight there, the resistance will actually start helping you in that area. The Nazis' presence is less. And uh, I'm looking at it, and I'm watching the gameplay video, and it looks like one of those games that I just think, this could be a lot of fun. I mean, it just looks like one of those games that... It looks like kind of a cross between Crackdown and um, maybe... A GTA open city type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, usually there's certain ways that they build these cities. These guys said they, they built the city as in the, in the buildings more like building blocks than anything else. So everything is, is unique. It's different, you know, and, and your character can climb up on top of buildings. And if you're on a mission and there's like this tower and it always gets you, they always snipe you in the, during the mission from that tower. Um, if you want to go back, and take out that tower before you actually start the mission. The tower's not there in the mission. So what you do when you're free roaming as compared to when you're on a mission has an effect. And I just thought that was a really great idea. Um, it looks like a fun game. I think I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because uh, I'm going to need a new game soon. I finished Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> And I'm almost done with uh, Uncharted 2. I kind of moved away from it for a little while and came back to it. And uh, I'm just not ready to get into that Jack Black uh, whatever. Yeah, I just, yeah. yeah, I'll get to that when I get to it. But this looks really fun. I mean, something that I can kind of get into. Funnily enough, you know you were trying to urge me to get PlayStation 3. Yep. Um, my wife was watching TV the night. She saw an advert for a kind of a karaoke game. That's only available on the PS3. <laughs> uh, and she said, oh, that looks quite good. And I said, well, we need a PS3 for that. Oh, right. But, 
you know, it's kind of an opening. <laughs> yeah, honey, you know they dropped the price on those now. Might be worth it. Yeah, no, it's I I, I hear there's some really good stuff on it. Yeah, the the PlayStation Three is is you know I, if if my wife wouldn't shoot me if I bought like bought another video game console, that would that would, I would probably go ahead and pick one up if just for. You know, I guess the excuse I could give, well, hey, it also is a Blu-ray player, you know, but, you know, they've got Blu-ray players now for under 100 bucks, so I'm yeah. not sure how well that would go over. Yeah, but it is the best Blu-ray player because it can be upgraded as time goes on. True. Um, I love the PS3. I think it's it's by far the best video game console out there right now, and that's coming from someone who has all of them. And when I say all of them, I pretty much mean all of them. Um <laughs> It's just a solid machine. I really like it. I just don't trust the 360 at all. I've just had too much bad luck, and I know too many people other than me that's had so much bad luck with it that hmm, it just scares me. Every time I play a game, I think, oh, I don't want to get into this game too much because what if this damn thing gets another red ring of death? Yeah, it's interesting that I was obviously concerned about that. Mine mine is actually a refurbished one. That's a uh, 360 arcade mm-hmm. um, that I bought refurbished. Um, but it's, it's a proper official Microsoft refurbished. So presumably this, this was the one that Red Ringed at some point in the past. Um, and I've had it about six months now, and it's been fine. Yeah, you're lucky. Hopefully yeah. it'll stay that way. Yeah, hopefully they've uh, fixed all the problems now. I wouldn't hold my breath, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just like the I just so far the games that's come out for me this year. I'm just enjoying the games on the PS3 uh, much more than I am on the Xbox 360. And when really what it comes right down to it is, um, if you like the kind of games that are on both systems, just get the 360. If you already have it, I mean, just get the 360 version of the game. Yeah. But if you want some games that I think are really good that you'd enjoy. You're gonna to need to pick up a three six or a PS3 because that's you're only gonna play Ratchet and Clank on the PS3. You're only gonna play Uncharted on that too, or Pain yeah. or something along those. Pain lines. is see, guy, you know how much fun you would have with Pain. Oh man, I just just watching you guys play it was like, oh, just let me have the controller for it's for, it's for just a couple of turns. Do you know what yeah. Pain is, David? Nope. Go ahead, guy. Pain is you know imagine you've got this. This fully laid out 3D city, back to 3D again, and you have this incredibly powerful slingshot, and people that are willing to sit inside this slingshot <laughs> and be thrown across the city, and you score points based on how much damage is done to either the surrounding <laughs> things that this person hits or how much damage the person takes and himself. very good ragdoll physics too yeah yeah right. you've got you know you can slam them into cars and the sides of buildings into signs and everything is breakable you slam them up against a window the window breaks and stuff is falling and it's you watch this and you're just kind of like ooh, ah and, ooh. and the character is just like booyah ooh, ah, uh, ah. oh good i get to die next um, one of the characters in the game that you can get is David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And it's actually, yeah, it's the, and it's actually David Hasselhoff doing it. And, uh, it, it is. And the game is just one of those that's just fun. They've got a lot new, a lot more and newer environments than the last time you saw it, David, or a guy. Um, it, it's a fun game and it's like a $10 PS, whatever it is, PSN, PlayStation Network game. It's downloadable only. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. It's only downloadable, and it's only $10. And then there's little add-ons that you can get for it, like the David Hasselhoff character, which is probably like $0.99. Cents. And um, there's a whole new – I don't think it's a city. I think it's like a movie set and um, a gymnasium for a high school reunion. And uh, <laughs> it, it's just fun. It's just one of those games that you want different environments just to crash your guy into and yeah. see what else you can get to explode and – it, it, there's no sense to the game, David. There really isn't. No, and there's no, no winning. There's no losing. It's just mayhem. Yeah, it, but it's just fun. It's one of those yeah. games that, uh, as an adult, you could sit there and watch and just crack up. And as a little kid, I mean, you're, you're slingshotting this person across a city yeah. to, to almost be decapitated. There's no blood or anything in it. Don't get me wrong. But just just the worst possible accident that could possibly happen by slingshotting yourself at a, yeah. at a brick wall basically it's it's almost it's almost like a totally immersive roadrunner cartoon yeah. and you're and you're wily e. coyote well you're shooting wily e. coyote anyways yeah. 
it's it's just a fun game. It really is. I got I got sucked right into it. Mm-hmm. And probably my uh, my favorite tower defense game of all time is on there called Pix- Pixel Junk Monsters. And uh, I like that. And it's it's just a tower defense game, but I really enjoy it. And it's PSN, another nine ninety nine game. Um, I actually I think the pain was four ninety nine just this last weekend, but unfortunately I paid ten bucks for it when it first came out. So. But yeah, you and, know and if you, you can't can justify buy it, in stores, it, you can only get that on the network. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, if you guys can justify to your uh, significant others to get. A PS3, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's worth playing. And most of the stuff you can demo first, so you don't actually have to buy it. You just download a demo Sony, and try it. Sounds like Sony's finally kind of learned their lesson on that. Uh, well, they had a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, if you subscribe to magazines back in the day with the PS2, you could get demos of a lot of games. That's why I subscribed to you know the PlayStation this and PlayStation that. Uh, PSN magazine, just so I would get the discs and I could have two or three demos on each disc and check out games before I'd actually go waste money on them. Right. Yeah. Now, I've, I've, you don't have to I've do that. Done, I've downloaded quite a lot of game demos through Xbox Live mm-hmm. and tried tried them out. And there's been two or three games where I, you know, I thought I would be interested in them. I haven't played the demo. I thought no. No. Nope. I mean, for instance, Ghostbusters was uh, was a Horrible. game that I was I was quite stoked about and haven't played the demo. I thought I'm not going to touch this with a barge pole. It's terrible. Yeah. I wish I would have played the demo first. They didn't have the demo when I bought it, I and mean, I kind of regret that now because well, it sucked. Just because you do. <laughs> it sucked. What are you going to do? But there's a lot of stuff on both the Xbox and the PSN networks to download. I think there's actually more on the Xbox, but Microsoft's new interface for the Xbox is horrible, I think. It's so hard to find content now. It really is. And the PSN network is much easier to find content. So, Is I, it because there's not as much of it? Uh, no, it's just because they lay it, it out. The as, it, it's the interface. Okay. Um, the original Blade server interface on the Xbox was brilliant. And uh, the new thing that are trying to go through this whole avatar, there's, we're, see, we're back to avatar now. Um, <laughs> these things that kind of fall towards you, and then you go to the left, and then oh, I hate it. It's horrible. It, it's not intuitive at all. Whereas the PSN's more like a computer screen uh, navigating folders, so that makes more sense to me. You know, and they put the most important stuff right on the top level, so you find it immediately. So that, it just makes more sense to me that way. Now, is there a lot of free content on, on there as well? As as far as demos, sure. And there's there's quite a few free videos and bits and pieces as well. So well, that, there's a fair amount of content on there. Yeah, uh, it, it's. You know. I think all things being equal, they're probably about the same. So I think we're going to wrap up the show, guys. We're almost at an hour, and I still need to edit all this stuff and and get it get something to eat, get something to eat, and uh, head home for the night and get out of the studio and. Uh, Wake up early tomorrow morning, and hopefully the FedEx man will be waiting for me. I'm expecting <laughs> a package, can you tell? Yeah. So with that, I'm going to wrap the show. Guy, David, as always, it's uh, my pleasure talking to you guys and being on the show. And, my pleasure, uh, too. I guess oh, we'll yeah. see each other in two weeks. We're going to talk about the cool geek stuff from 1984, courtesy of Guy Sherrill. You're welcome. Maybe we'll invite Chad Perry. Chad Perry, I know you you listen to the show. If you want to come up and, and chat 1984, come on up, man. Have fun. All right. Bye, people. <laughs>